If you have your Bibles or if you want to follow the TV screen, turn with me to John 10, the 10th chapter of John. We're going to go through verses 1 through 18. I'm starting a new chapter, a new series. Uh, The Good Shepherd. You know he's a good God? Do you know that? Yes. He's a very good God. Matter of fact, there's only one good, and that's Him. As you're getting ready, let me give you a little scripture introduction. In the previous chapter, if you remember when I preached on John chapter 9, Jesus wonderfully heals a blind man. But he didn't only heal him physically, but he healed him spiritually. He made the man whole. I mean, that's the way to go. If you're blind and then Christ comes and heals you, and then he heals you spiritually, well, you're in good shape. And the Jewish leaders, if you remember, very angry at Jesus. Jesus, you healed on the Sabbath. They couldn't see past the, te- techni- the, technical, the technicality of the law. They couldn't see past that. They couldn't see the heart of the law. They were actually the blind ones, not the blind man. He was able to see. They were the blind guides of Israel. The false shepherds of Israel. And here in chapter 10, we see and recognize the true shepherd of Israel. But not only of Israel, but of all who belong to him throughout the ages. Let's read our text. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go out. He will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray. 
And Father, we thank you that the good shepherd, the shepherd and the overseer of our souls is here today with us. God, we ask you to illuminate our minds, illuminate our understanding, so we might see in a greater capacity how great of a God you are and what a great caretaker you are of our souls. In Christ's name, amen. In the 1500s, Mary, the daughter of King Henry VIII, reigned as Queen of England and Ireland until her death. After King Henry VIII, King Edward VI took the throne, and after the death was the reign of Queen Bloody Mary. How many of you heard of Bloody Mary? Not the drink. We're not talking about the drink here. Queen Bloody Mary. And two things I want to mention about her. Queen Bloody Mary was an obstacle to the printing of the Bible in English. She wanted to get everything back in England, back to the Roman Catholicism, because at that time there was no Protestantism. And Queen Mary was responsible also for burning Christian reformers at the stake by the hundreds for the crime of being Protestant. Uh, The reason why she was nicknamed Bloody Mary was because she brutally executed Protestants. Now, nicknames usually describe either a handicap or a trademark on a person's body, or it describes the character of a person. In this case, Bloody Mary, it described her character, which was a cold-blooded murder, murderer. Well, it's amazing how many titles or names that are ascribed to Jesus. We, we might have a few. I've had a few over the years. I'm not, not going to mention any. <laughs> Um, However, Jesus has approximately 60 names or titles. But it seems the most affectionate or the most intimate is that of a shepherd. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. Quite the opposite of Queen Bloody Mary who led her sheep to the slaughter. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, leads his sheep into green pastures so they can enjoy and we can enjoy an abundant life. And here's what I want to propose to you tonight, and I want you to think about it as I'm preaching this message. Jesus is your great shepherd. He's the spiritual caretaker of your soul, who loves you so much, he sacrificed his whole life for you, that you and I may have an abundant life. And before we dive into our text, I'd like to give you some biblical history and imagery on sheep and shepherds for the sake of clarity, because we don't understand that in the 20th century in America. When's the last time you saw a flock of sheep walking across Third Avenue? You know, you haven't. (laughs) First of all, sheep are the most frequently mentioned animal in the Bible. If we include flocks, there's nearly 400 references. And there's nearly 100 references to shepherds. And the reason is, there's a good reason, sheep were very important to the agricultural and the economical life of Israel, of the Jew. It was very important to them. Abraham, Isaac, Moses, David, Amos, they were all shepherds. And there were women shepherds also. Sheep were also raised for food and clothing. That's the first reason. Second reason is sheep and shepherds are used in scriptures for spiritual realities. Sheep were used in the Old Testament sacrificial system. That's what they used. Sheep. However, sheep had to have a shepherd. Otherwise, they would, they would not survive too long. They were very dependent creatures and very unintelligent. Or very, and forgive the expression, stupid animals. 
they were more than likely to wander and un- unable to find their way to the sheepfold, even if it was in sight. That's how unintelligent they were. And that's why they needed a shepherd. But also, not just a shepherd, they needed a good shepherd. Because the good shepherd provided for the sheep. Uh, they protected them. They guided them. And they were also a constant companion to them. They knew their sheep, and their sheep knew them. And we will get more into the history and imagery as we go along. But one thing I think will be helpful uh, for you to know before I preach this message on this text is that way before the Messiah came, the Old Testament predicted that he would shepherd his people, that Jesus would be the shepherd of his people. We read this in Ezekiel, we read this in in Micah, we read this in Zechariah, and we see it all through the, the New Testament that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus didn't just peer and realize, wow, Israel's in a lot of trouble. They need a shepherd. No, no. It was in God's plan from all eternity that Jesus Christ would be the shepherd of not only Israel, not only God's people, but all of his people throughout the ages. In our text tonight, verses 1 to 18, which we just read, I want to bring to your attention three points. As we go along, I want you to follow this. The shepherd's relationship to his sheep. The shepherd's provision for his sheep and the shepherd's sacrifice for his sheep. Let's look at the first one, the shepherd's relationship to his sheep. Is there my water? My water right next to you, please. When we were born again, whether you know it or not, thank you, you entered into a relationship with God who deeply cared for you. Verses 1 through 6 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the shepherd and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they do will not follow. But they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now I think it's important to know that chapter 10 flows directly out of chapter 9. Chapter 10 flows directly out of chapter 9. And that's what I just finished preaching. Chapter 9. Jesus is speaking to the same people in chapter 9. His disciples, the blind man, the Pharisees, and others in the crowd. Some of you may remember, after Jesus healed the blind man, the Pharisees treated the blind man very harshly. How many of you remember that? I don't expect... Some of you were sleeping, but some of you may remember. (laughs) And, And what did Jesus do? He rebuked the Pharisees sharply because they were the ones who were actually blind. They were the very ones who were to be the shepherds of Israel but failed. And now Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. You were supposed to be the shepherds of Israel but you failed. I'm here now and I'm the true shepherd of Israel. So the first thing we may notice here in in this text is a sharp contrast between false shepherds and Jesus the true and good shepherd. Now Jesus uses a metaphor to explain the contrast. And this is important because Jesus starts the chapter with truly, truly, which means it's of great importance. Whenever you hear truly, truly in the Bible, that means like a dog, let your ears go up, listen carefully. There's something Jesus is saying that's very important. 
Does that mean the rest of the, the uh, words in the Bible are not important? No. It just means Jesus is trying to get our attention. Listen to what he's saying. Now here's the contrast. The one who enters the door of the sheepfold and those who try to get in another way. And we're going to talk about those who try to get in another way first. The false shepherds are the ones who climb in some other way. Jesus said they're thieves and robbers. They were the Pharisees, the Jewish hypocritical leaders in Jesus' day. That's who Jesus was speaking to. That was the immediate context in this particular text. Remember in chapter 9? There was a heated discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees about the man, more bl- uh, the man born blind. And this is the context here. Jesus was addressing those whom God had called to be shepherds over his people who just finished rejecting one of the sheep in God's flock. That was the blind man. They were thieves and robbers. They tried to rob God's people of the truth and power that only comes to God, that comes from God through Christ. They climbed over the walls of the sheephold to slaughter the people of God as they tried to do to the blind man. There are many today that are thieves and robbers. They promise salvation through good works or following the law, but it leads to frustration and hell. Anyone who rejects faith in Christ for salvation and promotes any other way, Jesus said, is a thief and a robber. They want to steal your only hope that comes through the great grace of God. Now the contrary. The true shepherd. He went through the door. And the gatekeeper. Who was the paid servant. And watched over the flocks at night. Opened it for him. Because he knew him. He would only give access to the true shepherds. And because he entered through the door. He was the true shepherd. The shepherd could enter any time he wanted. To check on his sheep. And no, note this. There was only one way to get in and one way to get out. Otherwise, you had to climb over the walls, which made you a what? A thief and a robber. And verse 7 tells us that Jesus is that door. Jesus, the only entrance to eternal life. There is no other way. We will talk about that a little more in a few minutes. When shepherds enter the door... What did he do? They called the sheep by name. They hear his voice. His sheep only hear his voice. He knows them and they know him. And verse 3 says, The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. The Greek word for own is idios. And means the exclusive property owner of someone. It's a clear indication of intimate ownership. That's, you get in the picture between sheep and the shepherd? You see, there was this intimacy that existed between the shepherd and his sheep. He calls his own by name also. In Palestine, the sheep could be a mixture of a few flocks owned by different shepherds in the fold. All the shepherds would have to do was call the names of the sheep or play a flute, and the sheep would begin to walk towards their master. There was this, there's a great story. There was a Palestine, in the 1980s, the Palestinian uprising, in the late 1980s, uh, the Israel army decided to punish a village near Bethlehem for not paying its taxes, which the village claimed uh, the taxes simply financed their occupation. The officer in command rounded up all the village animals and placed them in a large barbed wire pen. 
Later in the week, the officer was approached by a woman who begged him to release the flocks, arguing that since her husband was dead, the animals were her only source of livelihood. He pointed to the pen containing hundreds of animals and humorously said that it was impossible to find the animals. She asked him if she could separate them herself, and if she did, would he be willing to let, them, let, let her take them? And he agreed. A soldier opened the gate, and the woman's son took out a small flute. And he began to play a simple tune over and over again. And soon, the sheep heads began to pop up across the pen. This is a true story. So the son continued to play his flute and walked home, followed by his flock of 25 sheep. That's how intimate the sheep were with the shepherd. They knew the voice. They only responded to the voice. Jesus was calling his own out of Israel and into into his messianic fold. Jesus said in John 6.44, he said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And this imagery pictures the human response to the effectual divine call of salvation. Jesus calls his own by name because simply they belong to him. Jesus also said in John 6.37, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Just like the shepherd calling his own sheep by name, and they instinctively follow him, Jesus calls his own people by their names and they follow him. In the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus saw Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. There was none of this waiting and saying, well, maybe Jesus, when I get my life together, I'll follow you. No, that didn't happen. He followed him immediately, just like the sheep who followed the son who played the flute to separate his sheep from the rest of the animals and followed him all the way home. And as I said earlier, that sheep are unintelligent animals. They are stupid animals, yet they know their master's voice. Jesus knows us. But we also know him if we have been born again. Do you, hear, do you hear his voice? And how do you hear his voice? Well, I think basically we hear his voice through the word of God. When I first heard the gospel, it resonated in my heart. And I knew it was true and I responded to it. When I heard the gospel, my head popped up like the sheep in the pen when the son played the flute. That's what happened to me. I heard it, I understood it, and I began to follow Christ. I heard the voice of the Son of God saying, Come and follow me. And I still hear the, the Son of God's voice as I'm growing in Christ, called sanctification. As I read and meditate on His Word, which comes alive in my heart and compels me to obey and to follow Christ. Do you hear His voice? If you don't, and desperately want to, pray And seek God and ask Him to forgive you and to come into your heart. And if that's your desire, more than likely you're hearing the voice of God. If you already heard the voice of God for salvation, are you hearing His voice to pick up your cross daily to follow Him? Now that's a challenge. Do you hear His voice to pick up your cross daily to follow Him? Are you growing as a Christian by listening and obeying His voice? And if we are and this describes us, then we will not listen to another voice. When the sheep are in the pen, they will not 
follow anyone else. The shepherd leads his sheep out to green pastures so they could feed. He goes ahead of them and made sure they were safe. The false shepherds try to deceive the sheep and they try to destroy them. But the sheep the true, of the true shepherd will not follow them. And Jesus savingly calls his sheep and leads them out of the fold into green pastures and quiet waters where they can experience God's truth and God's blessing. However, they will not follow, and this is important, they will not follow false shepherds. They don't recognize his voice. Even if the false shepherd, listen to this, if the false shepherd uses the same phrases and the same words as the true shepherd, they will not react in the same way. It's not their master. See, they know their master. We live in a world where there are so many voices calling us here, there, and everywhere. Voices of false religion, voices of demons, voices of this temporal world. And the true sheep of God, the true believers, and please listen, they sought through all these voices and only listened to the voice of their master, Jesus. Do you see the relationship between sheep and shepherds, Jesus and his followers? Only when a person is in a deep relationship with Christ can we recognize his voice and discern the false ones. Only then. After Jesus said these things, verse 6 says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus' audience failed to grasp what he meant. There was this lack of understanding that's what parables do. Parables reveal truth and they conceal truth. To the believing heart, they reveal truth. To the unbelieving heart, they conceal the truth. And rest assured, they understood the nature of shepherding but failed to recognize the spiritual point of the parable. And since they failed to recognize the first metaphor, Jesus in his infinite grace tells them again, but this time changes the metaphor slightly, which leads us to our next point, the shepherd's provision for his sheep. Only Jesus will guard, care, and provide for his own. He provides entrance for the believer. He provides life and sustenance for the believer. And on the contrary, false shepherd, false teachers only provide destruction. Verse 7 to 10 again. So Jesus said again, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will, and will go out, and uh, will go in and out, and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And sometimes the shepherd slept in the opening of the sheepfold to guard the sheep. No one could enter or leave except through him. What Jesus is saying here is really very simple. Please don't miss this. What Jesus is saying in this metaphor is he and he alone is the door through which the sheep enter the safety of God's fold and go out to rich pastures of his blessing. In other words, it is entrance of life through Jesus that lost sinners can approach God to the Father for salvation and only him the apostle Jesus said in verses um, in John chapter 14 verse 6 he said I am the way the truth and the life no one 
comes to the Father except through me. And the Apostle Paul told Timothy, let's all repeat this together. First Timothy 2.5. Do you have it? First Timothy 2.5. Let's read this together. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man Jesus Christ. Is there any other way? Is Buddha the way? Is Hare Krishna the way? Is Muhammad the way? Who's the entrance to God? The, can you go to God the Father just directly to Him? No. It's got to be through Christ. That's what He means by I am the door. Many today are rising up in the name of Christianity and are saying, besides Jesus, there are other ways to heaven. Is there? No. There's not. And I've heard people say, that claim to be Christians, to say, well, you know, there's other ways too, John. You know, Buddha... Um, Hinduism. No. He is the only way. And that's what separates Christianity from every religion. It's only one way. If there were other ways, Jesus would be a liar. Because once again, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But let God be true, though everyone were a liar. He's the only way, the only door. Everyone else who came before him, Jesus said, were thieves and robbers. This, of course, is not speaking of Israel's true spiritual leaders like Moses, David, and others. However, it is speaking of Israel's false shepherds, her wicked kings, her corrupt priests, her false prophet, and so on. But again, the true people of God True born-again Christian does not listen to them. They understand that Jesus is the only entrance way to God. Jesus doesn't only provide an entrance to God, but he also provides life and sustenance. Life and sustenance come through Jesus Christ. Again, verse 9, he is the door, and if anyone enters through that door, they will be saved. Jesus provides life, eternal life. But what are we saved from that we... Uh, that we may have life. What do we say from? From sin? Yes. From hell? Yes. But more than that, it's God's wrath. God's wrath is against all ungodliness of men, which includes all of us. But Christ took God's wrath on our behalf. All who come to God by way of His door, Jesus Christ, will be saved and find pasture. In other words, Jesus does not only provide eternal life, saved from hell, Say from sin, say from God's wrath, but he also provides sustenance, pastures. When the shepherd leads the sheep, he brings them out into green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside green pastures. He pursues the sheep, the shepherd, that strays. Jesus went after the, the one, that, and he left the 99. He keeps them away from poisonous plants. He brings them to the good water, making sure they have everything they need for good health. That's what the good shepherd does. Well, doesn't Christ do the same for us? And all the more? He gives us satisfying pastures as He feeds us His Word. He gives us His love. He gives us His forgiveness. He gives us His salvation. He gives us His blessing. He gives us His protection. Not like the thieving shepherds who are just like their father the devil and only come to kill, to steal, and destroy. And that, my friend, is all you're going to get 
from the devil and his entourage of false ministers. That's all you're going to get is, is death. Kill, he kills, he destroys, and he steals. That's all you're going to get from him. He's going to steal everything from you. He's going to destroy you. But Jesus, the good shepherd, came to give us life and abundantly. Now the Greek word for abundant is parasos, which describes something that goes beyond what is necessary. So he doesn't just give us what is necessary, he goes beyond what is necessary. And the matchless gift of eternal life goes well beyond all our expectation. You know, when I was growing up, my parents didn't have much. But they provided for me, my brother, and my sister. And they provided with abundance. They didn't give us the bare minimum of food and clothing. No, they gave us much more. Maybe, that, maybe they didn't give us as much as some of my friends or some of our other relatives because they didn't have as much. But nonetheless, they provided. They provided abundantly. I remember that when I was growing up. Why? Because Simply because they loved us. And how much more will God provide for His own? Once again, the matchless gift of eternal life goes way beyond our, all our expectations. So the good shepherd has a relationship with his sheep. He provides for his sheep. But to make all of that possible, he had to sacrifice his life for the sheep. And that's our third and final point. The shepherd sacrifices for his sheep. Jesus sacrificed his life for his church. And he relates to us now with trust and intimacy. Verse 11 through 18 again. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also for they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. By the way, this is the fourth of seven I am sayings of Jesus. Jesus said in John's Gospel, seven I am's. I am the good shepherd, I am the bread of life. I am the living water, etc. I am the good shepherd speaks of Jesus being authentic shepherd, the authentic shepherd in a class all by himself, all above other shepherds. And first of all, the, shoot, the true shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Most of the time, shepherds took care of their own sheep. But if they were too busy, what they did was they hired uh, someone to care for the sheep. But the sheep never received the same tender care that the owner gave because the hired hand just doesn't care for the sheep. If a wolf threatened the flock, the shepherd would beat off the attack with his rod and if necessary, lay down his life for the sheep. Not the hireling. He doesn't own the sheep. So if he sees the wolf coming, he's out of there. Pastors are called under-shepherds. But I think, this, I think uh, pastors can also be called hirelings. And I love what Dr. R.C. Sproul said. He says, I tell my congregation that they are God's sheep. I don't own them. They don't belong to me. Christ is their shepherd. The best they can hope for 
from me is that I'll be a good hireling. But that is all I can ever be, a hireling. Therefore I tell them that they should not look to me, but Christ, who is their good shepherd, the one who will never desert them. And that's what a a pastor should do, is point to Christ. In all our preaching, we point to Christ. That's why we we make our every sermon Christ-centered. Because we want the uh, congregation to see Christ and Christ alone. Jesus is not a hireling, but a true, loving, good shepherd who lays down his life. And please listen, listen carefully. Jesus doesn't just risk his life for the sheep. He actually lays it down for us. He died for the church. And greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. John fifteen thirteen. Why would he do this for a sinful people? Love. Love. He loved people. He gave his life because he loves us and knows us. doesn't just love us, he knows us. He knows, if you're born again, he knows you intimately. Jesus, like the shepherd, knows his own sheep. The son knows his own. The father knows the son, and the son knows those who belong to him. Now I want you to hear this. This is the most astounding thing to me, and my mind cannot fully wrap around this. Listen, Jesus knows me just as well as he knows his father. Now, you might, you might say, no, read the text. He knows you, if you're born again, just as much as he knows the father. And the father knows you just as much as he knows the son. And the father loves you just as much as he loves his son. And the son loves you just as much as he loves his father. Can you wrap your mind around that? I think we need to wake up. Can you wrap your mind around that? I can't. I can't. The father deeply loves the son because he lays down his life. No one took Jesus' life. Jesus voluntarily gave it. There were those who were trying to take Christ's life, but he basically said, you cannot take it, I freely give it. And if he wanted to, he could have myriads and myriads of angels. He could have thousands of angels stop the execution at any point. But he freely gave it. Pilate, Caiaphas, Annas, the Romans, no one had the power to take his life. I I laugh when people say, oh, the Romans or the Jews killed Jesus. Well, they were the instrument in God's hand. Christ voluntarily gave up his life. No one took it from him. He voluntarily gave his life because first and foremost, he deeply loved his father. And he submitted to his father's command. And secondly, he deeply loves his own. That's you and me. But he also gave his life freely for the sheep to save us from something far worse than wolves, far worse than thieves and robbers, so we could be free from the wrath and judgment of God. But is God, the Father, and His Son just concerned with the Jew? No. The shepherd has other sheep. Verse 16 says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. What Jesus is simply saying here in verse 16 is that He has other sheep that were not members of the house of Israel. He was talking about the expansion of the gospel beyond the borders of Israel to the world of the Gentiles. He was talking about the Gentiles, basically. He was prophesying that he would bring them from the Gentiles 
those whom the Father had given him, and there would be one sheepfold, Jew and Gentile, in the church the good shepherd himself would build. Could God have his elect sheep in circles that we would say never? Maybe Hasidic Jews? Or maybe in ISIS, the fundamentalist Muslims? Listen carefully. This is important. Jesus never said the gospel was going to go only to the Jew. And it's obvious. I know most of you know that. But here's where our prejudices come in. And we need to be careful of that. Just because you and I think that someone could never be part of God's kingdom, doesn't mean there will be not. There will not be. Be careful of your prejudices. God is no respecter of persons. He'll save anybody. He'll save the most horrific sinner to show the world how great His grace is. Look, He saved you, right? How great is His grace? Oh, but John, I didn't kill people. I didn't. Listen, He saved you. Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. He's no respecter of persons. We may be, but God is not. Even if they're a terrible sinner, that's who Christ came for. Jesus said, I, I, He came to the lost sheep of Israel, but also everyone who was lost. That's who He came for. That's who He came for. The Father is working. And the Son is working in John 5, as you read that in John 5. He's constantly working, constantly getting the gospel out, constantly saving sinners. Their kingdom is being built with both Jew and Gentile. There are other sheep. And let's embrace and rejoice what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of others that may not look or act like us. Whenever I read Voice of the Martyr, and one of my goals is, I want to get this whole church reading Voice of the Martyrs. It's a free magazine. Of course, you should support them a little bit here and there. But it's a free magazine. It's a monthly magazine. And I'm humbled at the passion and the willingness of Christians evangelizing in hostile countries. When I hear Christians talk about, you know, these hostile countries and how they should wipe them all out, you know, listen. They need to be evangelized. Don't ever think that Christ's love goes beyond the borders of the United States. Or doesn't go beyond the borders of the United States. It does. How can we practically apply this text to our lives? Let's talk a little bit about application. How do we apply this to our lives? Well, first of all, how do you hear his voice? I think primarily and mostly... We hear his voice not by, sub, by some, some subjective impression, but hearing his objective truth and responding to it. The unsaved have little or no interest in the Bible, but the sheep, the true sheep of Christ, live in it. Second, we know Christ and are known by him, so we will not follow a false shepherd, a false teacher, a false prophet, or a false pastor. Professing Christians who run from one religious system to another religious system, from one cult to another cult, really, it shows that they really don't belong to Christ. They're not genuine sheep or genuine believers. And thirdly, true sheep who follow Christ are characterized 
by obedience. It doesn't mean it's perfect obedience. It just means that's their goal. It's to obey the will of God. No one has the right to claim to be Christ's sheep if they live in willful, persistent obedience, disobedience and refuses to repent of it. The Bible speaks of final judgment in Matthew 25 where Christ will separate the goats from the sheep. The goats are the false believers uh, that profess Christ and the sheep are the true believers. And let's make sure we're genuine sheep, genuine followers of Christ. Listen carefully. We are saved by His marvelous grace, not by works of the flesh. But I want to emphasize this. His marvelous and glorious grace radically changes us from the inside out. And that grace produces good works in us. Ezekiel 36 verses 25 to 29 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is talking about the new birth. This, is, this characterizes the true sheep of Christ's flock. And the last thing I would like to encourage you with is true sheep have eternal life and they are secure. God will never lose you. He'll never leave you. That's guaranteed. And Jesus promises that. In John 28, and we'll close with this scripture. I'm sorry, in John chapter 10, the same chapter, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are the great shepherd, the great overseer of our souls, as Peter said. And we thank you for that, that you care for us. Like a good shepherd cares for his sheep. As a good shepherd provides for his sheep. As a good shepherd guides his sheep. As a good shepherd protects his sheep. You guide, you protect, you care for us. You bandage our wounds, God, all the time. You lead us into paths of righteousness for your namesake. And even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not going to feel no evil because you're with us. Your rod, your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Our cup overflows. Goodness and and love shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank you, God, that that characterizes you. Because you are the good shepherd. Help those who do not know you as the good shepherd. Come tonight to know you as the good shepherd. And those of us who do know you, those of us who have been born again, those of us who have experienced the entranceway by Jesus the door, and as he led us out into green pastures, help us to grow in our sanctification. Help us to follow Jesus, the good shepherd, the true shepherd, not only of Israel, but of all who would trust in him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.